Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Paul is writing this letter. It's the last letter that he writes before he is beheaded, martyred for Christ. Before he's martyred for Christ. He would be killed by Caesar Nero. And he'd take the time to write this letter to a young disciple of Jesus, one of his fellow students, Paul's students, Timothy. He takes time to write this letter to Timothy. In the letter, he gives encouragement. He gives instruction. You see, Timothy wasn't that impressive now. Humanly speaking, he had some issues. He suffered with stomach problems. The Bible tells us that he had some stomach problems. And these stomach problems were probably a result of the fact that he was very timid, scared, full of anxiety, fear, and worry. In fact, Paul said, take some wine for your stomach. Because he was letting all the worry and all the anxiety cause him physical problems he had bouts of depression he was timid but Timothy was rich in grace more than that he was chosen by God and you see the Lord uses now listen to me now the Lord uses the foolish things to confound the wise he chooses people that you wouldn't choose He chose you. He called you. I like to say it like this. He chooses the weak to show us his strength. You are not going to help me this morning. He chose you knowing everything about you. All of your shortcomings, all of your failures... And you think he got it wrong, but he got it right, and he chose you, and he chose you on purpose, knowing everything about you. Paul writes this letter to Timothy. And I want you to look what it says in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Travis. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. For no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. And then verse 7, consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. 
I want you to look at this letter that Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy, full of weakness. Timothy, full of anxiety, fear, and worry, yet chosen by God. Paul is knowing his time is short on this earth, and he writes to Timothy, and the first thing he says is be strong in grace. Now, I would have said get some Pepto-Bismol. Get some Zantac. Straighten up. God's called you to do something. You ain't got time going around holding your stomach all the time. Square your shoulders back. Let's go. But that's not what Paul said. Paul said, Timothy, be strong. Not in yourself. Not in your might. Not in your wisdom. Not in your ability. But be strong in the grace of God. And you see, Paul knew something about grace. See, it was Paul who said, who had this revelation of grace when he's suffering with a thorn in the flesh. You know the story because I preach it all the time. He said, Lord, take this thorn away from me. Three times he prayed, Lord, take this thorn away from me. But the Lord said, nope, I'm not going to do it, but my grace is sufficient for you. So I'm not going to deliver you from this thing, but I'm going to give you enough grace to overcome this thing. See, Paul understood that he could be effective although he was infected. Let me say that again. Paul understood that he could be effective with a thorn. He understood that God could use him in spite of him. Some of you say, I don't want you to, I'm not going to church today. I'm not going. I'm not living for God anymore. I can't do this. I have failed so many times. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to give up. No, friend, there is no quitting. There is no giving up. There is no throwing in the towel. There is no turning around and walking the other way. God has chosen you knowing everything about you. Paul said God can use me in spite of me. So Paul knew something about grace. That's why he could look at Timothy and say, listen, Timothy, I know you got a lot going on, but be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, for all of us who at times think we aren't smart enough, aren't talented enough, don't have the right personality, don't have everything together emotionally or spiritually, to some of us who have some Timothy tendencies, and that's the message, title of my message, Timothy Tendencies. God is saying, be strong in my grace. Be strong in grace. Then he goes on to say, and be a good soldier. I want you to be strong in grace and be a good soldier. Look at verse 3. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So in order to be a good soldier, guess what? You're going to have to suffer some. 
Are you, are you listening to me this morning? There is going to be some suffering that you are going to have to go through, that you are going to have to face. There's going to be some valleys that you're going to have to walk through. And I'm convinced, and can you please cut off whatever effect that's on this microphone? It's about to literally drive me crazy. Check. Beautiful. He said, if you're going to be a good soldier, you're going to have to understand that there is going to be some suffering. And you know what? What I know about myself is if there wasn't some enduring that had to take place, I wouldn't pray as much. I wouldn't pray as much as I should. I know that if everything was mountaintop living, I wouldn't be praying like I should. Oh, some of y'all act like y'all pray all the time. Like y'all just fasted uh, Thanksgiving. Didn't eat nothing. Sucked on celery and carrots all the week long. You know you ain't. I'm telling you right now, if everything was always good, I wouldn't pray like I should. But God can use valley times, hard times. He says there are going to be some times of suffering. But be a good soldier. Uh, what, what is so? Listen, the, when I think about suffering, just right off the bat, I think about the fact that as a child of God, our life is not our own. And there's going to be some suffering in the fact that we're going to have to deny our flesh. There's some things I can't say, some things I, even though I want to say them, there's some places I may want to go. I can't go no more. There may be some things I want to do that I can't do anymore. There's some, I want to get even with somebody, but I can't do it anymore. I got to take it to the altar. I got to take it and leave it alone. Right? So there's going to be some suffering of the flesh that I don't get to do what I want to do all the time. If you're going to be a soldier of the Lord, you're going to have some suffering. And then he tells us in verse 4, as a good soldier... Go, go back one verse to verse 3. I'm sorry, go back to verse 4. I'm sorry, no, I'm joking. <laughs> That's good. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled. So God tells us, as a good soldier, don't get tripped up. To be a good soldier, you've got to understand there's a real enemy. There are things in your life that are fighting for your focus. That was good. Fighting for your time. Trying to steal time away from you. Steal focus away from you. To get you to focus on the things of this world. And why does Paul say, Timothy, I want you to be a good soldier? Because Paul knows that we are in a spiritual war whether you like it or not. There is all the forces of darkness and hell trying to fight for your mind and your soul. 
fight you, steal from you your focus. So he says, do not get easily entangled. And he, and he tells us we're in a war. Paul, in his other writings, tells us that we are in a war in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. It says, although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. It's a different type of war. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to the obedience of God. Do you hear me? There is a war and it's a war of the soul. It's a war of the mind to try to steal your focus. To get you to focus on what? Well, here's some things. Focus on the election. Focus on who's the president. Focus on what they're doing or what they're not doing or how fast they're doing it or how not how not fast. Think about masks. Think about no mask. Think about some mask. Think about half a mask. Think about COVID, not COVID. Some COVID, vaccine, no vaccine. Do you see what I'm saying? He said, do not get entangled in the concerns of this life. But look what he says in Hebrews chapter 12. Lay aside every hindrance and sin. But, but, yeah, that so easily ensnares us, trips us, enslaves us, entangles us. Lay it aside. Lay it down. Oh, I feel like I say the same thing when I get up here. I feel like I just repeat myself over and over and over, and I'm boring you to death. But I'm telling you, I have seen, I have watched, I know about my own life. I have enough spiritual discernment to know some things about your life as your pastor and about the world in general that we are holding on to things that we should not be holding on to. There's things that are holding on to us that we need to break off of ourselves and let us lay aside every weight. You have the, nobody needs to lay hands on you. Nobody needs to pray it off of you. You have the power to lay it aside, let it go and get your focus back on Jesus so he tells us be a good soldier don't be entangled by the things of this world and I look verse 4 no one serving we're in 2 Timothy Verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled. There we go. In the concerns of civilian life. But he seeks to please the commanding officer. Are you reading that with me? A good soldier doesn't get entangled with the cares of life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. World War II, 
American troops and Allied troops stormed the beach of Normandy. Do you know what I'm talking about? To fight the Nazis. Five attacks that day. The one I'm talking about is the, the Battle of Omaha, coded by the troops, by our military. And they come on to shore, and as they're coming on to shore, there's machine guns, and they're shooting down all our troops. I mean, it's a massacre. And they're in these amphibious tanks that, that, that you can use in water, and you can use them on land. And they're coming out, and they're jumping off these ships, and they're watching their friends and their fellow soldiers being shot up. Every one of them gets out of the boat and runs many to their demise into oncoming machine fire. They said, what in the world? Why, why would men later on, they would study, what would make a man so driven, cause a man knowing that his life is in such great danger, all the odds seem to be stacked up against him. The enemy has the advantage. What would cause them to move forward? They thought at first it would be the love of country. That's too big at that point. It's too generic, abstract. They found out what the reason was. It wasn't love of, for country. It was love for the respect for the soldier that was going to do the same thing. You hear what I'm saying? It was for the other brother who were running towards fire. If they're running, I'm going to run too. It was the respect they had for their brothers in arms, but also it was the respect for the commanding officer. What will cause spiritually a man and a woman to run into what seems to be dangerous territory and the darts of hell coming against us is our love and our respect and adoration for our commanding officer, Jesus Christ. Do you hear me this morning? Well, let me just say this too while I'm here. We could learn a lot about that. You see, this love that I'm talking about loves your brother and your sister even when it's not convenient. You think it's convenient? Do you think it was convenient to when a one of the soldiers were shot that they would grab him and try to give some aid to this person while still taking on fire? Do you think that's convenient? That's why Paul used this word, soldier. We've got to love each other. You've got to love her. 
and I've got to love you and you've got to love me. And if there's someone in this building that you cannot love, then the love of God is not in you. And if you just want to get together and have church and talk about each other when we leave, then I will resign today. If you just want to get together and be a club, count me out. I don't want to be a part of it. When we opened these, I didn't open the doors, but when I walked in the doors of this church, I meant it was going to be a hospital for the hurting and the broken. No matter what you look like, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've fallen, after he picked you up, and that's hard, God never told us that our love was to be was to be convenient. Not for our brother and sister and not for him. Because sometimes he'll call you into some situations and into some circumstances that you don't want to go in. He'll call you to do things you don't want to do. But that goes back to last week. Whatever God said, do it. We have a, a lining behavioral value as a leader here at Remnant. This is what it, I, one of them. I lay aside what I love for who I love more. I lay aside what I love. That's about right. Five people clap. That's about right. Because we love the world, don't we? And we love the conveniences of the world, don't we? But when God comes back, and he's coming back, you look, even if you're lukewarm, he's coming back. No matter what state you're in, he's coming back. He's not going to check with your calendar to see if you're ready. He's not going to call you and make see what's going on before he comes. You mark my word, you hear me, you listen to me this morning. He is coming back and when he comes, there'll be no fixing, there'll be no straightening, there'll be no working out. He's coming and when he comes, I want him to find me doing his work. Not backbiting, not fussing, not fighting, not lying, not complaining, not whoring around. You know, I thought, I've been way too nice. And believe it or not, I do try to watch what I say in here. (laughs) But I'm fixing to name a few things. And I I want you to go home now. And I want you to talk about, he just named a few sins. He didn't name them all. I don't have time to name them all. Okay? Okay. So don't go out of here and say, he's just like every other pastor. I mean, you can if you want to, but you look like a fool if you do. My, my daddy always said, it's a guilty dog that barks. Yeah. 
to bark and bark and howl. But I, I, what God, what, what, how God feels about me is more important than how, what you think about me. You see? So I'm going to name a few things, a few sins. If it happens to be your sin, well, I'm sorry. I'll name mine. First. Well, I'm telling you, God is not pleased with all the whoring around. Calling yourself the bride of Christ and you're a slut. And you have sex with everybody and everything. It's not okay. And I don't know who said it was okay. And I'm telling you right now, it's in the church. It's prevalent in the church as it is in the world. And my knees are sore from praying about this thing. And I'm telling you, there's got to be a difference. You cannot sleep with everybody. I don't care what they, and why am I saying this? Because it's prevalent. It's prevalent. I'm not just picking something out because I think you might be doing it. I'm, pre- I'm, I'm teaching on it and preaching on it and crying over it. You see me up here, but you don't see me in my house. And you don't see me in that office. You just see me up here. So you think I'm just saying it. I'm saying it for your soul. And I'm telling you there's a world out there who's watching us, who's expecting something different. So let me just say this. If you're whoring around, I've used that word a bunch now. (laughs) I'm getting more comfortable with it. As I go... As you are whoring around, slutting around, having sex with everybody and everything, God's not pleased with it. It's not okay. Let me say this about homosexuality. I've had preachers say, I don't know why they say this. The community has said this. I don't know why they say that other than they want to talk about something. And you look at me right now. And those are on, who are watching online, I want you to hear it too. They say, Pastor Caleb, don't care if you're gay. I don't know where they got that from. I care so much that you're gay. It bothers me that you're gay. And I, But listen, I don't look down on you or that, like, like uh, on any other person, but I do look down on your sin, and I hate your sin, just like I hate gluttony, and I hate all the other sins. And they say that I've said it's okay to be a homosexual. It's not okay to be a homosexual. And if you say you're born that way, I don't have a problem with that. Fine. Everybody's born into sin. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Must be. Must be. Must be. If you're a liar, you must be born again. If you're a thief, you must be born again. If you're born into sin, you must be born again. And you know what? That doesn't mean if someone's struggling... They're born again. They're in bondage to this thing. I'm not fixing to turn them away. Turn them down. Look down on them. No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep on teaching truth. I want to keep on telling them about the grace of God that empowers you to live a holy life. And you're going to get this thing. You're going to walk in victory. You hear what I'm saying? If you're having sex with people and you get married... If you don't want to marry the last person you had sex with, stop having sex. I lay aside what I love for who I love more. All of it. All the flesh. 
Now, let's move on. <laughs> he says, be a soldier. Lay aside what? Any others you want me to talk about? Gossip, lying, thievery, jealousy. Any of them? They all got to be laid down. Gluttony, did I mention that one? We've got to lay it down. And we can't go around embracing it. It gets me, it takes me to my next point. Paul said, be an athlete. Be an athlete, he says. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Did you know God's got some guidelines in his word? And he says, I want you to do these things. And if you don't do these things, you're not going to live your best life. There's going to be consequences of not following my word. You're going to bring things on you that you wouldn't have to ever dealt with. But because you're going against my word, you're going to have to endure some things. Look what it says. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Listen, that means we can't make up the rules. Let me, what? Are y'all still with me? Yeah. <laughs> What's it mean? What do I mean? This is what making up the rules sounds like. Oh, God, I know this is a sin, but I mean, I know you're okay. I, this is just, you try to talk it out with God and convince him that what you're doing is okay. Have we not all been there? We can't make up the rule. It's as silly as saying, I'm going to be on the baseball team. And you go and you buy the cleats and you get the socks and the, and, the, and the pants and the shirt and the hat and everything that you need to go play ball. And they call you up. It's time for you to hit. And you swing and miss three times. And the, and the ump says you're out. You said, oh, no. Nah. See, I, I gave myself four strikes. And you get back in there and you wait for him to throw a pitch. Guess what? You can take your imaginary fourth strike and go sit down on the bench. And when they call you back up, guess how many strikes you'll get next time? Three. We can't make up the rules. We can't make up the guidelines. It goes back to what I said last week. Whatever God says, do it. See, we've watered down Christianity to be something where you just go to church and you have a good time. And you feel a better, better about yourself. That's not church. Oh, oh that, that could be church. That, that's not a born-again experience. You cannot disobey God's word and walk in spiritual victory. God doesn't bless disobedience. Do you hear me? He doesn't. He does not bless disobedience. He said, be like an athlete. Then he says, be like a farmer. So he says, be like a soldier, be like an athlete, and then be like a farmer. 
I get the soldier and the athlete. The farmer threw me for a loop. Verse 6, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of crops. Okay. Verse 7, consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So I started thinking, Lord, give me understanding because what's, how does my life relate to a farmer? I get the soldier. I can explain the athlete. But what about a farmer? First of all, it says work hard like a farmer. So as a child of God, we're to work for God. Serve God with passion and excitement. To work hard for the Lord. And then this is what I thought, like a farmer. Plants seed. He doesn't go plant seed. What I mean by that, sowing in the spirit, like being an athlete, following the guidelines and the rules. That's, that's sowing seed. You, a farmer doesn't go plant and then turn around the next day and say, all right, let's, let's get what we planted. Do they? They plant and then they wait. Kind of like me on my dieting escapades. I diet hard for 48 hours. Can't get on the scale. Don't understand why I haven't lost 20 pounds. I ate a salad once. You see what I'm saying? Like a farmer, we must be patient. Understanding what we plant doesn't spring up right away. Some of you are going to say, well, how does grace work in this? Because he said be strong in grace. Grace gets you. I would never, you know why I wouldn't be a soldier? Like in the army, not of the Lord, but in the army of the U.S. Army, military. You know why? That whole boot camp thing. <laughs> to those who have done it, you're amazing. You're crazy. You're wild. I love you guys. You're awesome. I'm glad God called you to do it. Me? He didn't call me to do it. Can't do it. You'd have to draft me, baby. I mean. Huh? Listen. Definitely have to draft me. They wouldn't take me. And you know I heard about this. That. Listen, I heard about this. I, back in the day. I don't know what day, but back in the day. That the army or the military would not take you if you were flat-footed. I don't know if they still do that or not. But baby, if I got up there, I'd, be t I'd come up there barefooted. <laughs> Can't take me. Flat-footed. This is how grace works. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I couldn't ever get in to be the soldier. But see, God takes the flat areas of our life. So you can't do any of this without the goodness and grace of God.
So you can't be a soldier. That's why Paul, he told Paul first, you better be strong in grace. Because, see, it's the grace of God that gets you into the army of God. And when it comes to an athlete, it's grace that gets you off the bench into the game. You're not qualified. You can't quali- you're not qualified to run the work race. You're not qualified to join in this army. But the grace of God qualifies you to do this. You see what I'm saying? It's the grace of God that... See, Paul would tell... Timothy would tell Paul, I got too much wrong with me. I got too many... I got anxiety, I got fear, I got worry. And then Paul said, yeah, but you got the grace of God. To cause you to be a good soldier. To cause you to be an athlete who is empowered by the Spirit of God. Empowered by the grace of God to keep the commandments of God. And then, what about a farmer? What about a farmer? You need more grace in waiting than any other thing in your life. Because after you've done what God's told you to do and you're waiting for things to change in the process of things not changing. I don't know about you, but that's when I get, okay, God, are you going to do it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? After you've planted, you need the grace of God while you're waiting. I don't know this morning, but is there anybody who would say, I have some Timothy tendencies in my life? God didn't choose Timothy because he was perfect. And he didn't choose you because you were perfect. He didn't choose you because you had it all together. He chose you because he knew he could do something through you. Because in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Do you hear me this morning? Is there anybody who would say in here, I got some Timothy tendencies and it's hindered me from being who God's called me to be? Listen to this. I wrote it down where I'd get it right. There's nothing that makes us as strong as saying, I'm a child of God in Jesus Christ. I have the love and the favor of God even though I don't deserve it. That is the strength that comes by grace. Stand with me all across the building.
Timothy would say to Paul, but Paul, don't you know what I got going on? Don't you know my issues? Yeah. Don't you know this stuff going on? Yeah. But I didn't make a mistake. I want to use you. God wants to use you, Joe. God wants to use you. He wants to use you. All of us. He wants to use. If you have been saved, you have been chosen by God. My greatest fear. Hear me out now. And you say, fear? Yeah, it's a fear of mine. My greatest fear is for me to be average for the Lord. I'll let them get up here. My fear is to be average for the Lord. To just kind of coast. Okay, I'm saved. Okay. And you know what, y'all? I'm contemplating almost every day whether or not I'm being too hard. Like, maybe this is just a, maybe I shouldn't expect people to think that way. To think like that. That maybe that just should be a, a preacher thing, like pastor thing. That there's fear that I don't want to be average for the Lord. I wrestle with that. <laughs> but it seems like, Sandy, in my spirit, the Lord says, oh no, it's not a pastor thing. It's a child of God thing. And we should have a desire to be sold out. Not average. Not religious. And have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Because there's a lot of churches that are really religious. And they'll sing songs that talk about Jesus. And a preacher will get up and preach a lot better than I did. But there's no change that takes place. It's just that club stuff. So, my prayer for you today is Paul's prayer for Timothy. I want you to be strong in the grace of God and take an inventory of stuff in your life and lay down what needs to be laid down. That that's hindering you. Hurting you. Hurting your testimony. Your flesh says you need it. Yet it brings the same thing every time you choose it. It might be good for a moment, but it don't last, does it?
and it hinders you. So like a soldier, empowered by the grace of God, you can do this. I need to say that. You, what I'm saying is not out of reach. I feel like somebody's told you that living for God, everybody can't do that. That it's a group of a certain few that can do it. And that's a lie from hell. You can do this empowered by the grace of God. I know drug addicts just laid it all down. That was told there'll always be an addict. But yet there's a verse that says all things about you, including you, have been made new. And old things have passed away, died, you see. I've seen the unfaithful spouse fall in love with God and fall in love with his wife and love her forsaking all others. I've seen the unfaithful husband and wife do the same thing. Husband or wife, it doesn't matter, I've seen both. I've seen the homosexual. I've seen them completely and totally delivered. You know what I've also seen? People who say, this is my the sin. And if it means I have to spend the rest of my life single and celibate, I'll do it. My daughter has a bicycle, had a bicycle when she was little. And it has, it had the training wheels on it. And the training wheels are just a little bit elevated above the back tire so that when you lean it'll catch you you know what I mean you've seen that before right there's no way she could even got on the bike without those training wheels see that's how it is with us there's no way we can get we can be born again become his child walk this walk first without the grace of God and the grace of God is like these training wheels. And then you know what happens? We ride and we fall. We, 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 she'd get ready to fall and catch her. And she'd fall to the right and catch her. She thought, whoa. Wow. It wasn't but a couple weeks. Guess what? The training wheels are still on there. But the bike is going straight. And the wheels are just up in the air. The training wheels. They're there 
if she gets tired. It's there if she loses balance. It's there to catch you when you fall. The grace of God, listen. The grace of God is like those training wheels today. You're going to look back and think, how have I come this way? How have I come this far? By the grace of God. How didn't I wipe out? How didn't I quit when I felt by the, the grace of God caught you? And it'll be there. So when you're an athlete, and a farmer, and a good soldier, you're going to need it. And it's there. But I guess what I'm trying to say is this. May something be stirred up in you to get on the bike. To get on the bike. Oh yeah, Abriel, we ran right into the bushes. When I was a kid, I smacked into my daddy's truck. I'll never forget, I thought I was bad one time. Done got the training wheels off, I done moved up to a mountain bike with the speeds on it and everything. You know what I'm talking about? Never forget my friend, a friend that I had named Bubba Cox in Dixie Union. Couldn't be more accurate, could it? I should have had a friend named Bubba Cox living in Dixie Union. Anyway, one day we didn't have nothing to do because we lived in Dixie Union and we had a, a piece of land tilled up I looked at Bubba one day and said, hey, Bubba. He said, yeah. I said, you want to go dig a hole? He said, yeah. So that's what we done. We spent all day. We dug, we dug, we dug, we dug. We dug so hard, so far, we, it got wet. I don't know if we struck oil or if we hit water, but it got wet. You could jump in there. You couldn't see us. So then we start throwing rocks at each other. I'd go down in the hole. Peek out, throw a rock, go back under the hole. We got tired of doing that. And I looked at my friend Bubba Cox from Dixie Union. I said, Bubba, I'm fixing to jump this hole with my bicycle. <laughs> I got bikes on my mind, if you don't know. I guess that's why I'm telling you this story. Anyway, I said, I'm about, to, I'm, about to jump this, I'm about to jump this hole with my bike. He said, you are? I said, yeah. So I go get my mountain bike. And I go way off where I can get me a, I'm talking about, I'm flying. I got all the gears. I'm running through all the gears. You hear what I'm saying? Nobody told me you needed a ramp. I didn't understand physics. I lived in Dixie Union. My best friend was named Bubba. We got this big old hole dug out. I said, I'm going to jump this baby, and I'm going to jump it on my mountain bike, and I'm going to go so fast, and when I get to the hole, I'm going to yank up on the handlebars, and I'm going to soar over this hole. So that's what I've done. My portly little self got on 
the bicycle, pedal my little legs as fast as they would go. And when I got this close to the hole, jerked up as hard as I could. Hair flowing in the wind. Lip plastered back. Cause of the breakneck speed. And I yanked up on them handlebars bars and when I did, I come this much off the ground. And my front tire found the bottom of that hole way down there. And I flipped so long, so far, that the Journal Herald had time to get the way from way across to Dixie Union. Take pictures, write a story before I landed. I was done playing that day. <laughs> I'll never forget Bubba's look on his face. He didn't say a whole lot. He just looked. Uh, and you know, we can get into some messes. We can get into some messes. We can dig ourselves, dig some holes for ourselves, and we'll find out what the bottom looks like down there. But you know what? I didn't throw my bike away. I, the next day, I didn't say I'm never riding. That day, I said I'm never riding a bicycle. But that next day, you know what I done? I got my bad bicycle back out, a mountain bike, and I started riding it again. Some of y'all have hit the bottom, and you say, "I'll never get. I'm never. Get, I, I'll never be where I was at." Oh man! If I could grab some people that ain't here today and yank them up by the neck and sling—I mean, drag them in here—and tell you, no, it ain't going to be like it was. It's going to be better. Right? Yeah. It's going to be better. Let's pray. Everybody's praying right now, heads bowed, our eyes are closed. Listen to me right now. If there's anybody in this room that says, Pastor, I'm not talking about you're not saved or you're saved. I'm just talk I'm talking about I'm talking to saved people. You say, Pastor, I got some Timothy tendencies in my life. Raise your hand right now if that's you. I got some Timothy tendencies in my life right now. Yeah. Absolutely. We all do. But the Bible tells us through the power of God, we have the power to lay aside every weight, everything that trips us up. We're not who the world says we are. We're not what the world labels us. We're not even what we label ourselves. So we can lay aside those labels. We can lay aside the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the weight thing that entangles us and snares us and trips us up and we are by your grace God we can live a holy life empowered by your spirit empowered by your grace so father right now for those of us who says I got some Timothy tendencies can we lift our hands right now to you 
Let's do that, church. If you raise your hands and you got Timothy Tennis, now lift both of them up. Lord, I'm lifting both hands up to you right now because I'm letting go of everything that was holding on to me. I'm letting go of all the stuff, all the baggage. You, you chose me, God. You called me to advance your kingdom and to do your will not to be an average believer to be, but be one who walks in authority and power on fire for you sold out for you this is who you've called me to be so I lay aside every tendency that would hinder my relationship with you I'm weak in my flesh but I'm strong in grace and I keep my faith and my focus on you Jesus right now something may have shifted my focus off of you but God I'm putting my focus back on you and I'm receiving your grace and your strength to be an overcomer to live above the bondage above the sin to walk in your grace now Lord we give you praise and glory for it all Jesus name right now with every head bowed and every eye closed I've got to ask is there anybody in here right now who would say pastor I'm not saved and I, I the Lord's been dealing with me I know why I'm here today I know why I came to church today I know what this is all about the Lord's been dealing with me and I need to get my life right with the Lord maybe some of you are backslidden you haven't been You've been living contrary to what God has called, how God's called you to live. And you say, Pastor, I just want to make things right between me and God. If that's you with your head bowed and your eye closed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Lift up to the Lord. I see that hand, that hand, that hand. Several hands raised up. Let's pray together. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Lord. Everybody pray this prayer. Lord. I receive your word. I lay aside the weight, the things that have been hindering me. And I place my faith in you, my trust in you. I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. I receive your goodness. I'm going to live for you. Forgive me of all my shortcomings, of all my sin. I receive, your, I receive you into my life. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again for me. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give the Lord a shout of praise today? Hold on just a second. Now, I hope you heard what I said. And I didn't mince words today about some things. But you know what? When I stand before God, He's going to hold me accountable of every word that I said to you. So I have to tell the truth. And I have to tell the truth in love. And what I told you, I told you in love passionate 
Yes. But with dripping with love and grace, yes. So take it in love. Do what you want to do with it. I love you. I'm praying for you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. God bless you. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again. 